Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. everyone. Quick trigger warning. We do talk about abuse and suicide in this episode. So if you are not emotionally or mentally prepared for that conversation, feel free to skip this. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone. Today I'm here with Shannon. Shannon Claire wants to live in a world where women don't feel shame for wanting more. As a multi-passionate entrepreneur, She is a sought-after international brand photographer for million-dollar brands, a mentor, and a coach for women entrepreneurs who are in transition to their next level of success. She is a mama four, fiance to one, beach lover, conversation starter, and internal optimist. I am also a mama four. (laughs) So welcome to the podcast, Shannon. Thanks so much for having me. Um, So you... You've been through some shit. <laughs> Indeed, I have. Um, take us back. Take us back um, to where you were struggling, where you weren't You weren't this person who was like, you know, here, I'm going to help all these women because, I mean, maybe you were, but you were in it yourself. So I know as somebody who's been in it before myself, it is difficult to help others when you are in that struggle. So take us back. I will take you back. So just so you have a little bit of background on my life overall. Um, I was a teen mom before it was cool on MTV. So I had my oldest son (laughs) when I was a senior in high school. Um, And I was a very troubled, rebellious teen. I grew up in, as many of us have, broken families. Love my parents, have great relationships with them and my whole family now, but it was hard because my parents were teen parents too. They were very young when they had me, even younger than I was when I had my son. And so that lends to its own difficulties growing up and raising a baby when you're still a baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And so through my teen years, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, depression, rebellion, um, turning to everything unhealthy to try to just numb out, survive, right? And that led me to dating the bad boys, uh, getting pregnant. And right after high school, I married uh, my boyfriend from high school. Uh, He was in the military at the time. And I moved away from home for the first time with my son, who was about nine months old at that time, down to North Carolina. Um, And that was hard. I was ready to get out of the house, but I had never lived on my own. So here I am being thrust into an entirely different state with a new baby, being so young, freshly married, and things just quickly devolved pretty much as soon as I moved down. Yeah, it's difficult to move away from your family. And I was older when I did, uh, mind you. I was oh, 11 years ago, 24. Yeah, I'm 25. <laughs> I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm not 25. I'm 35. Uh, <laughs> I was 24 when I moved away. Uh, and uh, it was very difficult. 
because uh, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I was a teen mom. My parents had divorced when I was 13. Like I, I can totally relate to what you went through too. And I was, I was older when I moved away, but it's difficult when you move away from your family and now you don't have anybody around. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. One thing I'm really good at is making friends. Uh, I'm a social butterfly. I'm a connector by my nature. And so I did, you know, try to make friends right away and try to get involved in things. Um, And so that that helped a little bit. But I didn't know what a healthy relationship was. And Mm -hmm. so I did not understand that I was in an emotionally abusive relationship. Uh, My husband then was an alcoholic. Again, I didn't realize that. And he had his own struggles. You know, whenever I talk about my past, I don't think this man was an evil monster. He Mm -hmm. is a hurting soul who has his own problems, story, wounds that need healing still to this day. And it's still very hard to deal with because we do have three kids together and uh, co-parenting pretty much doesn't exist. Uh, But... I I just always want to interject that because I know even when I was in the marriage, part of the reason I struggled to leave was because I had empathy. I had compassion Mm -hmm. and, you know, I knew he wasn't just acting this way just to hurt me. Um, Although at times it seems like that and and now it definitely feels like that, but I'm choosing to continue to believe like he's a really good person and he has, you know, this is a reflection of what's really on the inside. But, um, yeah, so I didn't know for 12 years that this was abuse. And we had been in marriage counseling pretty much from the very beginning. We went to so many counselors. And eventually, they would stop seeing us because they could not help us. Um, and I, I will never forget the one counselor said, I would suggest scheduling another meeting, but it would be a waste of all of our time. And I was just left feeling so hopeless because I wanted so bad to make my marriage work. I can also be very stubborn. And so I'm like, I'm not going to fail at this. I'm going to like, we're going to stay together for the kids, you know, all your typical reasons why you want to stay together. Um, On top of that, you know, I grew up in the church. I believed divorce was wrong unless, you know, you're being beaten, unless there's adultery. That's what I was taught. That's what I believed, like, to my core. And I wasn't going to be one of those people who gave up easily. Uh, and we will talk more about that for anybody who's listening. That's not the truth, <laughs> but that's what I believed at the time. So that was a huge contributing factor to me staying. But one day, yeah, 12 years into the marriage, I remember it just, I can't describe it as anything other than like a whisper from God, <laughs> look up emotional abuse, never even crossed my mind. Mm. And so I looked it up and as I'm reading about emotional abuse, I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like I can check literally every single box. I started reading about the cycle of abuse and mm-hmm. I could put myself and my husband right into that cycle. It was so accurate. It was scary. I'm like, like somebody spying on my life and they're writing about it, you know? Um, and so at that point I took this to counseling, I presented it to my ex-husband and he was remorseful at the time. I can say this, he did participate in counseling and it seemed like he wanted to try to make things work, 
but he was not capable of being the person he needed to be to be in a healthy relationship. Um, so fast forward to 2017. Um, this was when things got really bad this year. I had left two times before then. Mm. Um, the first time I couldn't tell you what year it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was probably around 2014, I'm guessing 2013 maybe. And I, myself and my three kids moved two hours back to home Mm -hmm. uh, where my family was moved in with my father and we stayed there maybe two months you know and and he was making all these promises of course things will be different like come back home um I couldn't stay at my dad's house forever and so we moved back home things were not different um left again in 2016. This time a friend had a finished basement in her home, opened her home to me and my three kids. And we stayed there for three months. And it just got to the point where it was like, I either need to get an apartment or move back home. And I was not ready to take that step of moving into an apartment. So I decided, I will never forget it because I was actually on a retreat. I was working the retreat, I'm a brand photographer. And so I was there taking pictures in Virginia Beach, and I was going out every morning at sunrise, like the sun wasn't even up yet, it was still dark, I'd go out and just sit by the ocean all by myself and just think and contemplate life and, you know, ask myself, what do I really want? And I decided then that what I really wanted was to know that I gave it my all, that I did mm-hmm. everything I could do to try to make this marriage work. And so I decided I was going to move back home and try it one more time that year he did give up drinking uh in my mind I always blamed all the problems on the alcohol mm-hmm. quickly lost that not the root of the problem and in fact things got worse because you know he no longer has his coping mechanism with alcohol and that is when my anger came out about everything um just about the whole relationship this whole time I hadn't felt angry I felt helpless I felt scared I felt so many things but I didn't feel angry until then and looking back I believe my anger was because I could always use the alcohol as an excuse and a reason Mm -hmm. to leave and I didn't feel I had a valid reason once that was gone Uh, and I'm sure there's many other reasons anger came flooding in but I just I just distinctly remember that part of my journey so we tried for that whole year um and it just got to a point where I no longer felt safe being at home. And then I knew I had to get out at the same time this whole year. We were in intensive counseling with the church that we were attending. I was seeing a woman's pastor every week. We were seeing um, a couple's counselor there often. We had this couple who was in their 70s mentoring us almost on a weekly basis. Um, and I still adore them. But the counseling basically that I was receiving was, you know, I shouldn't be leaving this marriage mm-hmm. because I just kept debating. Like I wanted to separate again and I even wanted to try to make it work at that point still. Um, and even separation was made to feel like I'm committing this unforgivable sin. It was never said in those exact words, but I just felt so trapped. 
I felt so trapped. I felt like there was no way out. I became suicidal that year. Um, would fantasize about death because I felt like that was the only way I could get out of this was mm-hmm. to just die. Um, and mind you, through this whole time, like I was homeschooling my kids. I was running my business. Um, I had a lot on my plate. And finally, in July of 2017 is when I moved out for the final time. I had to leave without my kids, which was the hardest thing I could ever do. Um, because I didn't have anywhere I could take them. And I knew he was not going to leave the house. The only way to get out was by me leaving. So I stayed with complete strangers. Somebody found me a bedroom and I would sleep there, but then go back to the marriage home, get the kids up for school, drive them to school because I put them in school at this point, um, pick them up after school, stay there until I put them to bed every day and then go somewhere else to sleep. And I did that for about three months until I finally found a home. I was able to save enough money to, you know, put down the security deposit, down payment and everything. And we moved into this cozy little ranch home. It was perfect for us. Um, But it was not easy. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And it took such a leap of faith. I felt like my church family was against me. So I didn't feel like I had that support there. Mm. But I also knew I had no other option at this point. Yeah, I, I, I liked how in the beginning you were like, I have empathy for him. I understand that he had his own trauma that he had to work through because um, I was in an abusive relationship. Well, I grew up in an abusive home, which I didn't know until I took <laughs> I was taking a domestic violence class and I was like, oh, my God, that, that's what happened to me uh, growing up. Um, I actually would have never realized I was an abusive relationship with my ex if he hadn't shot off a gun in my house. Um, but, uh, people that have listened to the podcast have heard this. So anyways, we co-parent, we have a child together and, uh, he had a drug and alcohol problem and he's now been sober for nine years and he's remarried and everything's great. Our daughter actually lives with them by her own choice. Um, but, my, my whole point in this tirade is I have empathy for him too, right? Like I can understand why he grew up in an abusive household. He had so much like emotions and then he used drug and alcohol to cope with it. And during that time, he took that, those emotions and, and that anger and frustration and all the trauma out on me. So I can totally, my point is I can totally relate to you saying like, I have empathy for him. I I can understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of women, when they're still in the anger of the situation, they, they can't find that empathy and that's, that's okay. And that's normal too. Um, if you're not there, but if you can get to a place of forgiveness, it's so healing for yourself and to know that, you know, you're doing the best that you can for yourself and for your family, no matter what the dynamics end up being. But also that empathy is not a reason to stay with an abusive partner. It is never, ever okay for somebody to abuse you. And that's one of the things I had to realize because, you know, through those 15 years of marriage, of course, I had become distant. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't being the wife I wanted to be. I so desired to be this loving, giving, you know, wife, and I couldn't be her. Like I was in survival mode. And 
so I would blame myself for a lot of the problems too, you know, like, well, why would he treat you well when you're not able to show him affection or love? But like, that was literally impossible at the end of the relationship. I did not feel emotionally safe and at the end physically safe to even be in his presence because he would spiral out of control so often. And, um, you know, I, I do want to touch on the cycle of abuse quickly too. Yeah. I was actually going to say, I know what it is, but explain it for the people who are listening. (laughs) Yeah. And so when I say he would spiral out of control, what would happen is we're going to start at the worst part of something. So there would be a big blow up, right? His anger got the best of him. There's holes in the wall. I'm like, for us, it would become cyclical conversation. He would talk at me for hours, like literally hours. And I would just have to sit there and take it. Or I remember like, I would sit there and cry on my bed, just praying for it to stop. And there was like, anything that I said would be twisted and turned against me in some way. Like there was literally nothing I could say that he would listen to or accept. Everything out of my mouth was wrong. Um, And then he continued to go on these tirades. I would try active listening skills, you know, repeat back what he said to me. So I'm understanding that would just piss him off even more <laughs> for some reason. Um, so anyways, there's this big blowout. And I think, you know, he could sense when I was getting to the end of my rope, like ready to be done, ready to leave. And then you go through what's called the honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're remorseful. I'm so sorry. I'm wrong. Like, this isn't going to happen again. I'm going to try harder. Like, we're going to make these lists, you know, like they look like they're doing everything right. Everything to try to make the relationship work. And then tension will slowly build again. Mm-hmm. So it's this honeymoon for a while. You get roped back in, you start to feel safe again. You start to have hope again. And then little things start happening and it builds and builds and builds to that breaking point again, that explosion. So if you're being physically abused, that's oftentimes when you're going to be hit or, you know, whatever is going to happen. And with us, that, that was the, that was our cycle. And what happens over time is that cycle gets shorter and shorter. So the honeymoon period doesn't last as long each time. Eventually there might not even be that, that period, which is where we got to in 2017. It was just constant tension constant fear um it I remember my daughter she was probably about five at the time and she said to me mommy I don't understand why daddy doesn't love you if he married you and she would say I hear the way daddy talks to you I don't like it and she was starting to get belly aches um when she would hear him yelling when she would hear these conversations because nothing would stop him didn't matter if the kids are home he was going to say what he had to say no matter what And um, I just came to this realization that I am showing my daughter what a relationship is right now. Mm -hmm. And this is not what I want her to accept in a relationship. I don't want her to think this is normal. And my boys, you know, they were older. And so I'm like, I don't want them thinking this is how you treat your, your wife, you know, or anybody for that matter. And so the kids were a big reason I stayed, but they were also a big reason why I ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. because I could not continue to put them in that situation any longer. Yeah. That, I mean, 
as a child from a emotionally and psychologically abusive household. Um, and my parents were like that to each other. I don't think either one of them was ever innocent in it. It, you know, in the very beginning, it started out with my dad and then it was my mom and then it was my dad. And they, they kind of like, <laughs> they kind of like switched on and off on who was being the abuser, like, like during that time, um, as somebody who grew up in a household like that, I am glad that I'm so proud of you. And I'm glad that you left because I didn't know what a healthy relationship was because I was never shown one, right? Even after my parents divorced, um, my mom was always in these really awful relationships. She would emotionally abuse them. They would emotionally abuse her. One of her one of her exes split up from her and tried to come take all of our furniture out of our house that he had bought her. And I was like 16 at the time. And I got right in his, like right in his way. And I'm like, you are not taking this. And my mom had called the police. I thought he was going to lay me out flat. So, you know, I didn't know what a healthy relationship was because I never saw it. So when I got into relationships, I never noticed that I was in an abusive relationship until like it got to the point where, like I said, he shot a gun in our house and I was like, oh crap, I'm going to (laughs) die. Like I need to go. But, um, so I, I just wanted to reaffirm what you're saying that it was such a smart decision to leave because even though you're like, I should stay for the kids, which is what my parents said, leaving helps you be able to show your children like this is what a healthy relationship looks like yeah and you know I believe everything happens in the right timing like part of me is like I should have left sooner but also I don't know how I would have you know what I mean so yeah I, I don't look back with regret with anything um even being in this relationship I don't I don't regret anything in my life because everything has led to where I am today and I'm exactly. this for the world. And, um, you know, I see the effects. The kids don't remember mm. a lot of what happened. My oldest does. But I just want women to know, like, if you do leave, um, as manipulative as your partner is with you, they're going to be that way with the kids. And it's not a mm-hmm. reason to stay. Please hear me. It is not a reason to stay. Like, my message is get the hell out whatever it takes, get out, do it safely. You will figure it out. You can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. But, you know, it's been hard, like off and on. The kids view him as the victim because he makes himself into the victim in their eyes. You know, poor dad is alone. Like I'm, you know, I'm so happy. It's such a healthy relationship. We have a baby, we have a house, we have everything going for us now. And, and even that, like, side note, being in this new relationship makes me realize how truly, truly toxic my marriage was because I had nothing to compare it to before. Right. And now that I am with a man who does nothing but loves me, cherishes me, respects me, and I am the same for him, it's like, wow, I never knew this could exist. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I'm in a relationship like this is because I healed I sought out my demons like what allowed me what part of me was hurting and wounded that allowed me to be in that relationship in the first place and you know where could I improve not only as just a woman as a person but as a partner to another human being Mm -hmm. 
And because I'm also a coach and I started down the coaching path back in 2013 and like was obsessed with personal growth, (laughs) that is why like I started my healing before I ever left that marriage. I didn't leave. I mean, I left wounded, but also I already had years of personal development, growth, mindset, training, coaching under my belt um, for myself. And so it was once I was out of there, I just blossomed. You know, that first year, it was hard, but also 2018 was the best year of my adult life. It was hands down. And 2019, I'd say the pretty tide. <laughs> um, but I, I met my current fiance in 2018, right after divorce papers were signed. We met like a month later. I and- met my husband two <laughs> or three months after leaving my ex. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. You know, and like, part of it, like, oh, is this too fast to be rushing into things? But I'm like, no, it's just right. Like, we're both healthy. We're both mentally, emotionally healthy adults. And we know what we want at this point in our lives. You know, we had lots of deep conversations right away. I based staying in this relationship on like, you know, what are my desires in my life? What are my values? What do I want to give to a partner? What do I want a partner to give to me? And we, we discussed it at length with each other. And we still do. And I think that's part of the reason this works so well. It's like we just have really great communication with each other. Again, something I never had. I could never, any emotion I felt was wrong. Anything I did was wrong. Um, I just remember having to hide my successes in my business. My ex-husband hated having a business he would not admit it even to this day um but it was a huge source of contention and I remember I had um one of my photos was published on the cover of an international magazine and I had to hide that from him and I was showing it to my older son and he kind of he walked by and saw it and I forget what he said but some kind of snide remark about it you know and now I feel safe to share my dreams, my aspirations, my crazy ideas, you know, um, yeah. my successes, my partner celebrates with me. He encourages me. Uh, he fully supports me in my dreams. And so, you know, it, it's just, it's just such a night and day difference. But, but women, if you're listening to this, you're not going to find that until you are healed because mm-hmm. that wounded inner child is going to seek what it knows. And if all that little child knows is abuse, that is what is going to feel comfortable. That is what is going to feel like you're normal. And that's what you're going to be attracted to. And so the biggest thing you can do for yourself, even while you are still in an abusive relationship, is to start your own personal journey of healing. I couldn't agree more. And I'm going to, I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but I'm so I'm thankful. I met my spouse. I've been married going on 11 years in December. Uh, he's an amazing human being and I constantly wonder why he's still with me, but because I had not healed from that relationship, the very first couple years of my marriage was very toxic and not because of him, because of me, because I was so used to the chaos. I was so used to being in a relationship where there was like drama and, um, and I was so hurt. Right. And when you're hurt, sometimes you take it out on other people and he's like a saint. He like stuck by me. I mean, if I was him, I would have been like, peace out. Like, (laughs) you know, I had an undiagnosed mental illness. I had all these things going on. 
it was very toxic to him, very toxic to him. And I drank a lot and I yelled a lot. And, um, I, again, I don't know how he stayed with me, but the whole point is like, if you have not healed that you might take it out on somebody else. And, uh, thankfully I have gotten to a point cause I've gone to therapy. I have worked on myself. I also now am diagnosed with the right mental illness and I'm in treatment. Um, so I don't take it out on him anymore, but unfortunately in the very beginning I did. And, and thankfully he stuck with me, but I like thought that he would heal me and it wasn't his job to heal me. I needed to do it on my own. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, you can't rely on somebody else to be your crutch. You know, because eventually, well, number one, it just won't work, but they're going to start resenting that, you know, mm-hmm. and the best thing I did for myself was take time to really learn to love myself and to love life alone. And I truly love being single. Like I just lived it to the fullest. Um, I'm a, again, super extroverted, very social person, but like those nights in my little house with when my kids were at their dad's and like, I would go down to the store and get myself a slice of pizza and a chocolate chip cookie and some wine. And I would just sit by myself and watch Netflix. <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. You know, wouldn't want to do that forever. But like, I learned to be okay with the silence. I learned to be okay with myself, with my own thoughts with, and really explore who I was as a woman. Because again, we got married, we were kids. Mm-hmm. We were still and now that I have a 19 and a half year old, I realized how truly young I was. <laughs> yeah, no, I know mine's 18 and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she's living on her own. And I'm like, no, come back, please. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm like, I cannot imagine my son like being in the situation I was in, like seeing his maturity level. I mean, he's a, he's a great young man, but like I was so much younger than I felt, you know, mm-hmm. um, at the time. And so- I, 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 you know, this, this was the only time in my life I had on my own as an adult and I wasn't even truly my own, how my kiddos, but right. it was the only time I had to just explore without anybody else's input or influence what I really wanted. And it was the best gift I could have asked for for myself at that time. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I was a teen mom too. And I feel like, you know, You've never really had, I mean, you did, you said I had my alone time, but I had my kiddos and I'm like, people don't understand as a teen parent, like you've never experienced what it's like to be an adult without being a parent. Like, and it is, I'll never like, and people are like, oh, your kids all grown up, grow up and they'll leave the house. I'm like, but I'll still be a mom. Like, I don't know what it's like to be an adult without being a mom right? Just like those people who are able to just go out and do whatever. And like, I'm like, I, I don't understand. (laughs) Spoiler spoiler alert for anybody who has small kids. It only gets harder when they get older. It doesn't get easier. (laughs) And I'm discovering that, but now like having teenagers and a toddler at the same time, like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? (laughs) I mean, our little baby is the biggest blessing ever. He's such a sweet guy, but it's not easy. (laughs) No. And then they move out and you're like, it gets better when they move out and you're like, but it doesn't. Cause now you're really like sad and you're concerned and you're like, can I just do these things for you? But you can't. Yes. Yes. You're like, stop making bad choices. (laughs) But you know, you can't tell them everybody has to learn 
learn on their own. You can only hope to influence, give some advice, and they're going to do what they want to do. And it's, yeah. yeah. Yep. My, sp- so, my totally spouse had to tell me, like, stop telling her she can move back in because the more you do, the more she's going to not want to move back in. He's like, she knows she can move back in. Stop telling her. Yes. Yeah. My, my son still lives at home, but we have had that conversation. And I I told him like, look, you'll always have a home to come home to. I don't know if you'll have your own room anymore, but you'll have somewhere to sleep, you know, if if things ever fall apart. So like, feel free to, to get out there to fly to live. But, um, but yeah, so life, life is good now. It's not without its difficulties. I mean, there have been difficulties, you know, but it is nothing like what I experienced. And that part of my life almost feels like a movie in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like a different lifetime, um, especially the early years when I look back. And I'm actually shooting a documentary about, wow. about my story. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, We've been shooting for about two years now and the story is still unfolding. So like we haven't completed filming yet and COVID of course, yeah. um, but it's called trapped by faith. And it's really focusing on the faith aspect of, you know, being told to stay in this marriage and having that be true for so many women out there um, who are in emotionally abusive relationships. I just don't think from what I'm learning through the filming, a lot of churches are not equipped to recognize emotional abuse or to know how to handle it, or to know how to advise on it. Um, I felt like scripture was just being used as a weapon against me by my ex-husband, and they failed to see that. Um, And it's not, like, the purpose of this film is not to bash the church in any way, shape, or form. Like, Mm -hmm. I still have a strong faith. I don't particularly like the church anymore that I was at. (laughs) There's many other things that have happened since then that I'm just like, when you watch the film, like your mind will be blown that this actually happened. Um, but my my goal with this is to educate people who are counseling women in these situations. You know, emotional abuse is abuse. Mm-hmm. In emotional abuse, it almost never stays emotional. And even if a man never lays a hand on a woman, the physical toll that it takes on your body is physical abuse, you know? And so many people don't look at it that way. And God does not call us to be abused in any way, shape, or form. Um, and so I, I want I want to educate the church. I want to open people's eyes to this is what is happening. And I want women to hear it and hear my story and see me thriving and know that there is so much hope after leaving an abusive marriage or relationship if you're not married. Yeah. And you know, one thing people don't realize about emotional abuse is like, like you said, it wears on you. It takes a physical toll, but it takes a mental toll too, where you feel like you're worthless. You're hopeless. You, you, you are just a burden on other people. Like, and why, why can't, there's gotta be something wrong with me, right? If he can't love me or she, or they cannot love me the way that I should be loved. Right. It's gotta be me. I can't, I can't, it, it just, it poisons your mind. I felt like a hollow shell of a person. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like my my very humanity was stripped from me and I just was existing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it became harder and harder to find joy in my life because I, I was generally pretty good about compartmentalizing things. 
Like I had my home life and then I had my life outside the home, which was great. And people outside the home, unless I told them, would never have known what I was yep. living with inside those walls. Um, and so I, I just remember very distinctly at the very end, I had, I knew I had to leave and I was having these breakdowns like every day and I was driving. I should not have been because I was just sobbing uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. And um, my best friend was on the phone with me and she was very concerned, of course. She's like, you need to pull over. You shouldn't be driving, you know. And I right. pulled over into the grocery store parking lot and just, just sobbing. like. And I remember in the past, I used to think, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And in that moment, I realized, like, I could probably do this forever. And then that's when I it, it switched in my mind, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. And it wasn't, I didn't want to be in the marriage anymore. It was like, I don't want to live anymore. Yeah. Because I still, at that point, could not see a way out for myself. And that was a really scary time because at that point, you're not thinking logically. Um, you are just so hurt. You're so hurt. And the pain feels so great that you just don't want to bear it another day, another moment. And that's the point that I got to. Yeah, no, I could totally understand that. Um, I, I had dealt with suicidal ideation since I was like really young. So it wasn't new to me to like get into that place, but, um, it was a new situation that got me into that place where, you know, you do, you're like, I can't. And I'm sure like me, your kids were probably the reason that you, you continued to just push forward. Like you're like, well, if what's going to happen to the kids, if I'm not around, that was my thought. Like what, it, it, now I'm leaving my kids with him. <laughs> like, I still worry about that. I'm like, oh gosh, I cannot die. <laughs> because then they wouldn't have then all they got was him. You know, yeah. like, oh, that cannot happen. Um, and yeah, you know, the other thing is, like, he, he loves his kids. And mm-hmm. so, like, that was another thing in my mind. Like, well, he loves the kids. He's, he's not abusive towards them. You know, like, I feel safe leaving them with him. And, and people, like, kind of look at me crazy, like, when I say they still see their dad and stuff. I'm like, well, I was his target, you know. And, yeah, yeah there's a lot of unhealthy things they're picking up from him, but he's not, like, actively abusing them. Um, and, and so, again, just because your partner loves your kids doesn't mean it's a reason to stay in abuse. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. No, my ex, I mean, loves our daughter, loves her so much. I was, uh, I actually, every time we had to exchange her, I don't know the right word for it. Um, I would get triggered. I would have a full panic attack in my car. Like, um, cause I lived in Virginia. He lived in New York. So we would meet halfway. I would, before he would arrive, I would literally have a panic t- attack and feel like I wanted to throw up all over the place. I had a hard time interacting with him in the beginning. It took a lot of therapy on my behalf and it, it helped that he one time called me and said, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm doing my own therapy and I'm going through my own thing. And he was getting sober and everything. And he was like, I, I was I was awful to you and I'm sorry, which is not, I mean, that's not something everybody gets. So I, I realized that it, it's a very special thing, but like the trauma stayed with me and I had a really hard time 
exchanging her and people are like, why don't you just go for full custody? I'm like, one, I can't legally. They found him like fit to be a dad and have joint custody. Um, but two, he really loves his kid. Like he really does. And I wouldn't let him have her unless somebody was there in the beginning because of his drug and alcohol abuse. Like I didn't feel comfortable him being by himself. So like one of his, like his mom or somebody, but like now his, his wife, like in the beginning, when they got into their relationship, she was the one. Now I would feel comfortable leaving her alone with him and not feeling like somebody had to be there. And, you know, but yeah, like they still love their kids, right? Like, even if they were horrible human beings to us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, and I have the opposite reality. My, my ex, we actually in since 27, well, since the divorce, I'll say, um, have only had two actual conversations on the phone. He refuses to see me. If the kids have an event and I'm going to be there, he won't go or he'll go to like a different time of it. Um, I still, the text thing like has thankfully drastically been reduced, but I will still get texts from him saying what a worthless person I am. The world would be better off without me. He has so much anger and resentment toward me for actually leaving him. Mm -hmm. And like, he has made me into the devil himself in his mind. Um, And it's, having that much anger directed toward you it still gets overwhelming Mm -hmm. mostly I don't care I know his words they mean nothing to me they're not true I know my value and my worth in the world but just the feeling of somebody hating you so much is it's a lot and so there's that you know that piece of it too and I'm like I think to the future what's gonna happen when the kids get married like, yeah. He's just not gonna go to the wedding. Like, what's That's gonna right. happen? My my oldest, he graduated during COVID, and so mm-hmm. there was no graduation ceremony. But in the future, will he not go to graduation? You know, it's just it, it, he doesn't see how this affects the kids. Still, it's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> like he's allowing his anger and resentment, and making me the the reason why his life is falling apart. His life was falling apart before we ever met. You know, right. he had, he brought these issues into the relationship. It was like this from the beginning. And again, me being in an unhealthy state back then, I was the fixer. I'm like, you know, obviously not consciously aware of this as a 17 year old, but, um, you know, I, I wanted to help him heal. Like I wanted to be there for him. Not healthy. No, not healthy at all. They have to make that decision on their own and, and maybe they never will. Obviously he still hasn't made that decision because he's still attacking you. And that's sad because I mean, he may spend the rest of his life in this miserable state. And like you said, miss out on marriages, graduations, big things, because he doesn't even want to be in the same room as you. It's yeah, it's pretty crazy. And like, you know, my, my fiance and I have talked about it. Like we would invite him over. Like we wouldn't care, you know, come over for the, you know, when you drop the kids off, like it's cool. Come in and say, hi. I, I would still do that if he could find, if he could get to a healthy place, find his own healing. Um, that would be amazing. I, I, I want nothing more than that for my kids' sake. Yeah. You know? And you know the, the impact that will have on them for the rest of their lives as grandchildren come into play, as like family holidays in the future. And I just, you know, this is where I have to control my own mind chatter and my own anxiety about the situation. I can only control what I can do. Yeah. Um, 
and what he does is on him. What the kids choose to do as adults is their choice. I'm going to continue showing up and being the best version of myself that I can be. And that's all I can do. I love that. Yeah. It's so important that we work on ourselves because we can't control anybody else, even our kids. Um, but yes. as, we, as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? If you have a feeling that you could be in an abusive relationship, get help. Seek professional therapy. Couples counseling does not work in abusive relationships. Get help on your own. I want you to know that you can do it on your own despite what your partner has told you repeatedly. Your life has meaning. Your life has value. You have so much to contribute to this world. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. That That's amazing. That is such an empowering ending to this very heavy conversation. Um, and I'll, I'll have a trigger warning at the very beginning. So people know, like, don't get into this unless you're in a space that you can listen, because sometimes even I am like in a bad place and I've done a lot of therapy and a lot of work on myself, but sometimes you are just not emotionally in the space to listen to stories. No, I, I agree. I agree. You have to be in that space and, you know, probably a suicidal trigger warning too. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. That will be on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and take it day by day. It's like, I had years of personal development under my belt before I left. And so the best gift you can give yourself, even while you are in this abusive relationship, start working on you. Start surrounding yourself with other powerful empowered women if your circle of friends are in similar situations as yourself you guys are going to kind of keep holding each other down like get out of that circle find women who are living lives that you want to live befriend them build your support network and you know aspire to greater things instead of staying stuck in the cycle yeah well shannon thank you so much for coming on the podcast today Thanks for having me. It was truly an honor. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.